News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. There were 704 patients on trolleys in our emergency departments around the country yesterday, according to the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. And this is after a bank holiday weekend surge, apparently. And for more on this now, I'm joined by Dr Mick Malloy, who is an emergency consultant himself, but was one of those people who was actually on a trolley over the weekend in an emergency department. Good morning to you, Mick. Morning, Kira. You yourself have, was it three days on a trolley over the last couple of days? That's correct. I hope you're feeling all right. Are you doing okay? Thank you for speaking to us. No, it was a pretty life-altering diagnosis. So I'm in the middle of recovering from that now, but I have to spend three days on a trolley in an emergency department where the doors never close, the lights don't go off, and there's a constant flow of people. It's not the best way to recover from your your illness. No. And um, we see stats and we hear numbers like the, the biggest trolley count ever what we forget is there's individuals and there's people at the bottom of that and our system has not been able to cope for decades with the volume of patients and it is a national scandal put at the feet of all the successive ministers for health for the last 20 years that they let this continue okay. and keep telling us about their plans for a 50 beds here and 100 beds here we had a plan for 5,000 extra beds in 2002. Those never happened and people are glossing over this every day like it doesn't need any attention and that is absolutely scandalous. And Mick, you've just, and maybe for all I know are still on a trolley, but you, you certainly have been in hospital and, and have been on, on a trolley. You're one of those statistics. But you are an emergency no. consultant. This is your, your bread and butter. What needs this to change? Well, I have to say, as, as somebody who is on the inside, who knows how to ask for help, who knows what buttons to press to try and get yourself moved, there was no place to be moved to. And ironically, having been moved around the emergency department five or six times to one cubicle, to a different cubicle, to a corridor, to a different place, I eventually got uh, into a small side room where I could sleep. And within an hour of getting into that room, I was informed I was moving to a ward. And this is the middle of the day yesterday. So I've been brought up to a new ward, six-bedded ward, lots of people in it, all the relatives there. And all you want to do at that point is sleep. People think they've done you a good thing by moving you from the emergency department, but it's actually not always a great thing when, when you, all you're looking for is to actually put your head down and sleep and yeah. you can't with the, the daytime noise that exists. It's inhumane conditions. Okay. that we expect the patients and I, to And I presume, hospital. no disrespect to you, that if an emergency consultant can't get a bed and a ward, there are simply no beds to be had. Let me bring in Fee, Phil Nihay, uh, General Secretary of the INMO. Um, Phil, the INMO are, are the group that tends to highlight these issues around trolleys. And you've heard Mick describe it there as inhumane. And I think that's probably a very fair assessment. But he also says that this let rests solely at the feet of the, um, the successive ministers for health. Is he correct? Oh look, um, it's it's the ongoing saga. Firstly, I'd like to say, um, make I hope you're, you're, you'll recover, and, and it's it's terrible to hear the the patient's journey. We hear it every single day, and, and Mick is absolutely right. You know, we count trolleys, but we count them to make sure that nobody forgets that these are people who are suffering, lying on trolleys, and it actually is altering for the person. They go in. Uh, seeking assistance, usually referred by a GP, so they're sick enough. They've had they've had some level of of medical um, um, uh, opinion to say, you know, you, you need to be in hospital. The people we count are those who are sick enough to be admitted. 
admitted to what? Admitted to, to avoid, admitted, admitted to a system that is, is very well described there by make moving from one um, corridor into a bay, sometimes into the fire exit of a ward. And, you know, we've raised this a number of times with the HSE. Sometimes the, 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 the system itself doesn't shout loud enough because it can't just be nurses and doctors who are constantly saying this is wrong. This is really bad for patients. We have HICWA report after HICWA report using language that in fairness, if it was any other industry, would cause the system to just and be Phil, completely you overhauled. and your organisation, can you see a pathway to fixing this? Because it seems to me, as a former healthcare worker myself, but also as somebody who's a journalist and covers this stuff, it is a constant annual, if not perennial problem. I think there's two main issues. One is we still operate in the health service on an annual budget. We don't look at the health service from the point of view of multi-annual budgeting. So we don't have a staffing plan for next year, for example. We don't have a staffing plan for this year. So we'll wait until October. The the government will decide how much money they're giving to the health service. Then um, the health service will start working on their workforce plan for the following year. In the meantime, the staff who are working in these incredibly difficult conditions will have decided to go somewhere where they have better planning. For example, a lot of nurses are now heading for New South Wales. They're heading for New South Wales because they have an excellent staffing plan, which means when I go to work, I know that the nurses that are there are going to be there for the shift. I'm going to have a reasonably busy shift, but I'm going to have enough nurses working with me. We believe that staffing and the focus on staffing has not been significant okay. enough and it needs to be but addressed But Phil, last quickly. question for you. I mean, they're throwing money at it. From what from what we can see in terms of budgets, the budget ha- has exponentially increased and standalone uh, top-up budgets have happened too. So they're, they're literally throwing additional billions at the health service. Why isn't this fixed? Well, I think that the, the, the point I'm making is, like, for example, the, the, the HSE this year in their service plan said 240 million will be invested in new service developments, but no workforce plan. It's a little bit aspirational. Okay. So without a workforce plan, if you open a bed, you need a nurse. If you open 10 beds, you need 10 nurses. If you open beds without those nurses, you are going to have a situation where patients will, will be told continuously. There's so no hope. It's, it's like an element of magical thinking that they're saying we're going to do this, that and the other, but actually what needs to happen to make those things come to fruition isn't happening. Is, is, is that what you're saying? We believe strongly that a funded workforce plan agreed every year with the trade unions, which actually was agreed with us in 2017, makes a big difference. You can then plan. And that has to have an element of planning that isn't just an, on an annual basis. You have to say next year our okay. population is ageing. We're going to need X number of care of the older person beds. We've many studies that tell us this. But what have we done in the Irish Public Health Service? We've outsourced practically all of our long-term care beds to the private sector. They're now saying we can't cope. So the planning is very poor. And Mick is right. This is a successive problem. It isn't just in the last year. And the trolleys didn't just appear in EDs no, no, and on wards. No, you're absolutely right. Can after I just the last bank put a, a last question to you, Mick? You've, you've said how inhumane and, and difficult it is for patients in, in the emergency department. And I have no doubt that is the case. But it's not just that, isn't it? Those kind of delayed admissions, that, 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 that backlog in A&E preventing people getting actually into a bed and into a ward and into that system. It has knock-on effects in terms of survival rates within hospitals as well. Isn't that correct? Correct. So a a very successful form of torture, which has been prohibited, is sleep deprivation. 
And yet, we are practicing that on a daily basis in the hospitals because we've got these very busy environments, which they have to remain that way in emergency departments. New influx of patients all the time. Sometimes people who are worse for the weather or at their lowest point in life where they're looking for extreme help. Maybe that they've got a mental health condition, that maybe that they're intoxicated, maybe something else, but they're at their lowest point looking for help. They can make a lot of noise. The environment itself, there's a lot of people moving in and out. There was a huge study done in the UK over the last couple of years where they looked at 7 million admissions and matched the patients. And they've proved statistically that the longer you wait in an emergency department to be admitted, if you wait longer than six hours, for every 82 admissions, there's an extra death that shouldn't have happened. If you wait longer than 12 hours, if you wait longer than 12 hours, there's an extra death for every 72 admissions. They don't even go as far as counting the amount of time people spend in Ireland waiting for admissions. And I know I've been speaking about this for 25 years as part of the Irish Medical Organisation. We've been asking for extra beds for all that period of time. The one thing we haven't had is the beds provided. We'd have multiple management consultants reports. I'd love to go and get a value for money investigation of all those management consultant reports and use them to build a new hospital somewhere. Thank you for speaking to us and we do hope sincerely that you you get well soon. That is Dr Mick Malloy there who is an emergency consultant in Wexford General and Phil Nihay, General Secretary of the INMO. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.